Wow. You're gonna like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Cause there is no goddamn middle. This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way. Not so much the family circus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, um, I did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy. A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals. I know. Okay. I understand that. And, but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian. Because eerie guy guys. Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf, which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table. As, as <laughs> the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little bit of Latin. You have a sword rat. This is a geek history of time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a distance world history teacher uh, and, uh, and and part of the time uh, English teacher here in Northern California. Uh, currently uh, trying to use the long weekend we're about to go into to recover from my first full week of uh, distance instruction. Uh, because, of course, the district I'm teaching in got shut down on day two of uh, our school year, owing to the state being on fire. Um, and so we, we had we had day one, we had day one of distance instruction and then days two and three were canceled. And then we had a weekend and then we came back on Monday. And <laughs> so, you're so kind of caught up with us then. Kinda, almost, yeah. yeah. So, and and so, who are you, sir? I'm and Damien what, Harmony. What fresh hell are you undergoing right now? <laughs> well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a distance Latin teacher, um, slash tech support. Uh, so, well, okay. You, when you say distance teacher slash tech support is just built in. Yeah, apparently. Like, come on. Apparently. So we had yeah, a training no, today. today. We had a training okay. today, and they said that there's three trainers: one who runs the chat, one who leads the training and one who takes care of the tech stuff and i was like wow that sounds nice <laughs> so, so where are my where are my other two team members right yeah when i'm when i'm doing my job yeah i'd, I'd like you know can can you give me a couple of minions i'd to like take to employ people too like yeah you know and the cool thing is that we can rotate round robin so next week you teach and then i do the tech and on and on that would make sense so yes i am a distance latin teacher in a district that um how to put this we negotiated <laughs> and got an mou for the first first four days of school now we still have to figure out the next 179 and it, negotiations are literally ongoing right now so we'll date this um yeah, and well, i'm going back to them when we're done with this hopefully by the time we're done with this you know what? No, I've heard enough about how negotiations yeah, work yeah. with your district. Never mind. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say anything. Mm -hmm. But but for those of you in the audience who aren't, um, you know, commie, pinko, uh, union types, uh, you need to understand that uh, MOU means Memorandum of Understanding, uh, and it's a term in labor labor relations labor negotiation yeah labor labor terms labor contracts that is okay look we're not we're not going to put this into the actual text of the contract itself because it's a niche case or this is a temporary band-aid until we can you know negotiate a long-term solution 
Uh, and so, so literally what that means is, okay, we've reached this agreement for the first four days. After that, we still don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, that's how un- implacable they are. So, uh, but I'm biased because I'm a selfish teacher who wants to not die. So that's who I am. Come on. How dedicated are you? Like, clearly you're not dedicated to the kids. If if you value your life, then what are you in education for? Exactly. Exactly. Not not that we're bitter at all. So let's just go over what's going on right now. Right now, there's a pandemic. There are um, police officers killing unarmed black people in their custody at alarming rates. There are um, white nationalists going into those same cities afterward to protest for their rights, which I don't quite get, including shooting at people, running people over, and starting fights. There are others who are pretending to be the protesters who are saying, hey, we do want justice. Um, uh, the schools are basically um, in, a, in a state of physical arrest in that they can't seem to get shit done. All of California is on fire. Um, two hurricanes blew through the deep south. Uh, <laughs> um, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, and yeah. and I, we, I figured know. the best way to get away from all of that, Ed, is that yeah, tonight yeah. we're just going to watch a couple episodes of Deep Space Nine because I want to get away for a while. I want, I want to enjoy some science fiction, which will help me escape. Uh, the reality that we're in, because that is what science okay. fiction is deliberately designed for, is to simply help okay. me escape from the social problems that we're facing yes. today. Yes, it's just pure fluff. Yes, it's yeah. Never ever has it ever been used to comment on on social ills. Right. No. So yeah. No. 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 So I, when no. I just picked these two episodes out of the blue and did a yeah. little research, I just like, I must have gotten like unlucky. Totally I found the two that were social justicey. Um. So out of all of Star Trek canon, the only two episodes that, that are ever that handled have social yeah. justice, yeah, yeah, at all. Season three, episodes <laughs> eleven and twelve of okay. Deep Space Nine. Um, okay. So we're gonna do a watch along, but before we do, we should probably get into the meat of it a bit. So, how much do you know about nineteen ninety five? Okay, well, hold on. Let's and technically ninety four, because this came out in January of ninety five. Okay. 1994, um, there was a congressional election. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> okay. So, because 92 was uh, uh, Wild Billy Clinton uh-huh. um, becoming president of the United States. Because uh-huh. uh, in January of 93, that was, 93 was the year I graduated high school. And I remember okay. seeing his inauguration speech in uh, journalism class as a senior in high school. We so had 94 when we talked about um what was it the the new world order in wrestling yeah, yeah 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 and and um so 94 would then be the the congressional midterm elections during his first term yes when a a rancid Idaho spud by the name of uh Gingrich mm-hmm which, by the way, manages to sound both like gangrene and Grinch simultaneously. Yep. Uh, led led a a junta um, promising a contract with America that was basically a thinly veiled um, set of excuses to to do what the K Street Mafia wanted done mm-hmm. and try to drown government in a bathtub. Okay, so you know uh, a little bit about 1994. 
Yeah, and yeah. so 1994 was the year of that election. Mm-hmm. Uh, 92. Oh, you're going back too far. Or was it? No, it's, no, it's 90. Well, hold on. Okay. No, I'm not, because I, I think I, if, if we're talking about you know Star Trek getting social justice and we're talking about 1994, I have some guesses. Because in 1992, um, there were the, the L.A. riots, mm-hmm. um, which were spasmodic and and um terribly terribly destructive and got massive massive airplay on the nightly news mm-hmm. uh, with with the mainstream media uh you know uh being their usual vulture-like selves uh you know showing you know all again all these spasmodic violence going on and not giving an awful lot of attention to the legitimate anger and grievance of of the communities that were that were most uh badly uh most badly impacted uh by all of that mm-hmm. um so i mean you know and the and the republican um you know the the um what am i trying to say the the republican uh lawmakers who were behind all of this stuff um, were basically playing to the same set of Reaganite, uh, welfare queen, chaos in the inner city, law and order mm-hmm. tropes uh, that that had been used um, all the way back to Nixon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, okay. that's that's kind of what I recall. Okay. Well, here's what I've got. Um, okay. In I kind of put together a bit of a timeline in January of 1994. I only went back to 94. Uh, because I was looking at the time in which these writers would have written these episodes. Um, and so uh, I go back to 94. So in January 94, the Northridge earthquake happened. It was a 6.7 on the Richter scale. Okay. So destroying uh, large chunks of L.A. Um, and this will be important later. Uh, in January of 94, the coldest temperatures ever recorded in Indiana happened during a record cold spell. It went down to negative 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, in 94, okay. January of 94, Bill Clinton, in his State of the Union address, called for an assault weapons ban as well as a welfare reform. So he's doing his standard boilerplate uh, centrism stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, in January of 94, uh, through March of 94, the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan tale played out where oh, yeah. Kerrigan got clubbed in the kneecap. Oh, right. Yeah. And then it just like exploded cause it was Jeff Galuli and it was, uh, you know, the, the bodyguard and, and oh my God. Uh, and it was yeah. a story in some ways of have and have not. Kerrigan was very rich and, and, um, you know, entitled Harding. and. And, yeah, Harding and, was and Harding was decidedly not. Park. Yeah, decidedly not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, April of 94, Nixon dies. Kurt Cobain dies. Oh, wow. And three high schools get burnt down by the same arsonist. Oh. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten that last one. Okay. Mm-hmm. In June of 94, the O.J. Simpson murders. Oh, shit. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, June leading into July, Tropical Storm Alberto leaves thousands homeless in the southeast. Okay. And now remember, that's going to be um, some overlap with the, uh, uh, the the Palm Sunday tornadoes, by the way. Um, right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. The Palm Sunday tornadoes happened in March. I, I skipped yeah. that. Left thousands homeless. 
Yeah. Um, so now you've got uh, the the Palm Sunday tornadoes, and then you've also got uh, June until July, uh, Alberto leaving thousand homeless, which okay. means that some people got hit twice. Uh, September of ninety four, Bill Clinton signs the assault weapons ban, ending all democracy as we know it, plunging us into a dystopia where nobody could kill large groups of people quickly, and had to do it with knives, handguns, and small magazines. Thankfully, Saint Bush, peace be unto his name, freed us from this tyranny with the Congress of Angels, allowing the suppression to sunset in two thousand four, and school and mass shootings started climbing back up to respectable numbers again. Dude, why do you hate freedom? <laughs> uh, it's inconvenient. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, uh yeah yep okay september of 94 yeah. baseball players yeah. go on strike for the fourth time in 22 years during the season they'd gone on strike previously not during the season and this is because yeah. and this is in 22 years they did it four times because the owners colluded to keep free agency artificially suppressed and were trying to institute a salary cap the people however did not give a shit and blamed the players for the first yep. time in American history, the workers actually got blamed for the actions of the owners of the industry, and the public failed to do its due diligence and pay attention to the actual numbers involved. Luckily, we all learned from this, and it's been a worker's paradise ever since. Okay, wait. Yes. So, so okay, your usual uh, <laughs> level of dry sarcasm is, of course, evident in the second half of that. Um, and, and I'm assuming it's also there in the first part as well. Well, they did go on strike for the fourth time in 22 years. Yeah, yeah, the I knew that. Owners... I'm talking about. I'm talking about the 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 for the first time in American history, uh, people, oh. you know, blaming the workers instead of the owners. Because I I know I know I know about some like coal miner strikes. Yeah, well, name name thirty. Other... All right, name thirty. Go ahead. I'll name wait. thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me go get my yeah. No know, shit. We actually probably could. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure we could. Yeah. I'm sure we could. Also, it's worth noting that, you know, one of one of the armed rebellions in American history that they don't tell you about was, in fact, you know, a, a coal miner strike, a, a massive coal miner strike yep. uh, that, that actually turned into no kidding, a shooting war. Yes. Between, you know, security personnel and and the National Guard mm-hmm. of the state in question and, you know, miners who, you know, didn't want to die on the job or get paid starvation wages. So, right. Or live in company like, towns. Like, yeah. 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 So, like I said, workers' paradise ever since then, right? Oh, yeah. Ever ever since then, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand what you and I bitch about all the time. I mean, frankly, I, I, I just, I, I, only, I only bring up issues because I have nothing else to do with my time. Right. You know, because we live, we live in such an enlightened, mm-hmm. you know, it's era. It's been fantastic. It yeah. really has. This is all yeah. totally normal and fine. Yeah. 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 In October of 94. All right. Yeah. October October. of 94, a man opens fire on the White House with a semi-automatic rifle trying to kill Bill Clinton. And this is only six weeks after a Cessna crashed on the South Lawn. Okay. I remember both of those. Yep. Was I'm trying to remember what. Do you remember the details of the Cessna thing? Because I'm trying to remember whether that was actually some nut job like trying trying to whack Uncle Billy or if that was just a really, really unfortunate not entirely competent civil pilot. I don't, you know, it's funny. I did a dive on it, but I've done so much research since then on other things okay. that it kind of fell out. Yeah. So. Cause, cause the guy, cause the guy with the AKS, mm-hmm. I know, or SKS, uh, I yeah, know. SKS. Was, Jesus Christ, you know this stuff. Well, I, I know. Not I, I know. So anyway, you know, the, the guy, the guy with the guy, the guy with the Chicom rifle, I, I remember 
Mm-hmm. Uh, as as no seriously, if you open fire on the White House, it's pretty clear what your intentions are. Yeah. But 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 I remember at the time, kind of wondering, okay, well, do we know that this guy was like loony enough to be trying a kamikaze run, or was this just like I'm I'm trying to showboat and I like really fucked up, right. or 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 was this just I'm I'm you know, I, I had a mechanical failure of some kind at literally the absolute worst possible time. In the worst possible place. In, in the worst possible place. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, like, again, as I've mentioned any number of times before, I've, I've grown up around airplanes, and, like, crazy shit like that j- does just happen. Mm-hmm. So I I, I kind of want to do do the dive again on that and figure out, was, was that guy actually a loony or just really unfortunate? Right. Um, what I'm looking at now, because you asked and I, I had time, um, he was uh, not mentally well. He bore, uh, he was basically doing a, um, uh, what do you call it, a publicity stunt. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it still caused them to re-examine their uh, security stuff, um, <laughs> well, including yeah. putting surface-to-air missiles. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, could, well, they, they've neither I, confirmed nor denied that rumor, but yeah, well, yeah, never. so yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah. well, so, you know, even if you didn't do it then after September 11th, you know, they've done it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. they took down the, the solar panels. Might as well put up something. Yeah. Well, so well, in November, whatever they've got is almost certainly man portable. Cause that's easier to, you know, pack away and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, <laughs> you, you can't spot it with, with satellite imagery until, you know, you need to use it. So anyway, sorry. Moving yeah. on. In November of 94, Hurricane, oh, actually before Hurricane Gordon happened, uh, there was a major commercial conference about the World Wide Web in San Francisco. The first oh. of its kind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like something that's so, like, literally we couldn't do this podcast. It would not exist were it not for this thing. Um. In, Especially now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just need to marvel for a second at how <laughs> how how long ago that was. Like. Yeah. Well. Okay. Wow. Yep. You were right. a senior in high school. Um, well. Okay. No. If we're talking about '94, I was a freshman in college. Oh. But, okay. Yeah. And this would have actually been... no. By '94, by '94, I would have been well. By that time in '94, I would have been a sophomore in college. Okay. So. All right. So uh, I was a. Emerson Hall. I was a junior in high school. Okay. Yeah. So uh, in November of 94, Hurricane Gordon left thousands homeless. Ooh, yeah. That's three things that have made thousands homeless, not to mention the earthquake that started this this whole thing that also left people homeless. Yeah. Um, November of 94, the Republicans, like you said, get the House, the Senate, and they start the contract with America, which was totally rad and perfectly fine. Um, also November 94, George W. Bush, you may have heard of him. He becomes the governor of Texas. It's the last election I recall him winning. Um, November of 94, (laughs) Prop 187 Uh, passes. Do you remember Prop 187? Oh, shit. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, right now I'm having a brain fart. I know I recognize Prop 187 says that basically California voters decided that they didn't want public services going to certain people. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Do you remember which of those certain people were? Uh, Undocumented immigrants. Yes. 
In November of 94, Tupac gets shot five times and robbed. He is not killed yet. Okay. Yep. Um, in fact, this might have started the beef that he had, which ended up leading to him getting killed. But people can tell us that on the, the Twitter. Um, in December of 94, yeah. Mexico's okay. economy completely implodes and needs bailing out by the U.S. Maybe we should think about that in terms of Prop 187. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Hold on. Uh-huh. Now, I'm trying to remember. Did that did that have something to do with oil prices at the time? I'm, I'm trying to remember what the... It was, if I recall correctly, it was the, the peso had just thoroughly devalued. Oh, I, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, because I do remember... Yeah, I remember yep. uh, high school friends uh, talking about you know how incredibly cheap it was, uh, mm-hmm. like like even more than ever before. Yeah, to go go across the border to you know be obnoxious Americans in a foreign city in mm-hmm. Tijuana. Yeah, because you're uh, San Diego, baby. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mira Mesa High School. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. So yeah, um, I remember fighting Mira Mesa's. I remember. Uh, no, the Marauders. The Marauders. Marauders. Oh, Jesus Christ. Marauders. Yeah. A bunch of white kids going down to Mexico and they're named the Marauders. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, just as as a as a total side note, uh-huh. um, did, did you ever watch the series Veronica Mars? No, but I totally wanted to. Fuck I just didn't have time. Okay, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. You need to watch it because we need we need to talk about that. Okay. Because because. Anyway, when you watch it, mm-hmm. when they talk about Neptune High, my high school would be like a slightly down market version of Neptune High. Uh-huh. So like like all of the tensions and all of the everything that you see in that high school environment existed in one level or another in mine and the divide between the really comparatively very well off white kids and the working class other other kids from from the other other neighborhood feeding into the school mm-hmm. um, was was a thing and a source of tension um, and so I, I watch I watch all of that every time I rewatch Veronica Mars I rewatch all of that and I'm like oh my god God, this feels <laughs> way too. Like I, I was never cool enough or badass enough to be Veronica, but like this environment, this this particular jungle is one I I recognize gotcha. all too well. You kind of want to recast it with yourself, kinda, yeah. Kind of, kind of do. Like current me I, in old me's body. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but we're getting off the subject. So, so Mexico's economy completely collapses, and we're busy telling people fleeing across the border to try to find a job that, uh-huh. and we're not going to give you shit. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. yeah. So um. Help the brave, but so, not necessarily the compassionate no. or the generous. No. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. The the apparently the Statue of Liberty um was just it's, kidding. It's apparently a lying. J.K. JK. Yeah. In yeah. fairness, it's a poem, not a policy. Is that really in fairness? I, I don't. I, I, you know, I kind of think it is. Like, you should really judge yeah. a country by its policies, not its poetry. Like, okay, all right. And, and, and therefore, right. I can poke my finger in America's eye for much further back going, you're, you're racist assholes about people coming in, like, every chance yeah. you get. Oh, oh so, well, yeah. Well, so, yeah, I, yeah. I do think, in fairness, that's, that's worth doing. Okay. So, yeah. Fair enough. 
I know you thought I was going a different way. <laughs> I I did. I genuinely yeah. did. But but there we go. All yeah. right. So that's the timeline leading up to what would have been in the writers' minds. Just what's in the news in the in the uh, you know in the ether sphere. Now here's what's going on a layer behind that. Homeless rates had crested in '93 um, at 15.1 percent, and they were starting to come down to 14.5 percent in 1994. So they were dropping by half a per, or half a percentage point. Now it's not much, and nobody at the time knew that it was going to plummet during the rest of the Clinton presidency. What was known at that time was that it was a big problem, and there was a lot of effort toward, toward eliminating it. Not all that effort in the right direction, by the way. And actually, homelessness, here's a little aside, homelessness doesn't start to rise again until a certain Texas governor becomes president. I'm just going to leave it there that it also yeah. rose sharply after he left office as the economy was in a tailspin due to deregulation that started haltingly at first in the 80s and then sped up in the 90s and really took off starting about 2001. By 2009, it was awful and the economy wouldn't recover. Back to the close to the 2000 numbers until about 2018. Also true about homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's what has not happened yet. Okay. Oklahoma City bombing didn't happen yet. Bill Clinton's predations on Monica Lewinsky had not happened yet. Okay. And the contract with America had started, but the meanness of it hadn't really hit the streets yet. Okay. So, right. yeah, All go of ahead. that. Okay. No, I'll, I'm just... Oh, okay. Okay, I, I buy that. Okay, see, uh, just so, so everybody knows, we've turned off the video so we can't actually see each other because I think it's improving the audio quality. But it also means that it's kind of. Uh, uh, do you want to? No. I, uh, hey. Ooh, yeah. yeah, we're we're not we're not we're not seeing any of the yeah. visual cues from each other about okay, and you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. McMurray, so. how you doing now? Um, but <laughs> God, I love that show. I've fallen in love with that show. Um, if anybody wants some free advertising, Letter Kenny is where it's at. Um, <laughs> so, so fucking good. Um, anyway, the amount of events that left people homeless and the way that folks were scrambling to work towards something, the fact that the Rodney King riots, as you'd mentioned, had happened in April of 92 and the civil unrest that it revealed, combined with homelessness and the unrest that was growing to really high numbers by early to mid 90s. Is mm -hmm. it really any wonder that Deep Space Nine, the first science fiction on television with a black captain, and technically he started as a commander, I know, but he ends up getting promoted. Yeah. Is it any surprise that DS9 would take this on? No. No. It shouldn't be. Right. Um, it really I mean, shouldn't be. That's a yeah. really good point. It should not be. Yeah. Yeah. So in 94, uh, Deep Space Nine was writing about the, the not distant future, but the distant <laughs> past of the series. Okay. Okay. So it's ninety four. They're writing about um, two thousand twenty four, which is thirty years from when they wrote it, and that's a standard thing. It's usually a generation or two. You know, splits mm -hmm. the difference. It's in San Francisco, and San Francisco is supposed to be wildly out of control to the point of people just giving up on fixing it, and instead just trying to contain homelessness brutally. Um, in 94, that didn't seem like it would be too far from the mark, given the homelessness rate's steady incline over the prior decades. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the, what's neat about this is that it is written about the distant past of the characters that we love um, or are still growing to love by this point. Um, but it's absolutely our near future. So it's this really yeah. cool prism. 
Yeah, well, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that by season three, mm-hmm. um, by season three they they'd grown the beard to to borrow terminology from talking about you know mm-hmm. the series predecessor, mm-hmm. um, and I I think I think there were a lot of people by season three who were very much fans. I I I think it had it had gotten there at that point. Um, I I don't think I mean the series hadn't gotten the chance yet to really get into the deep lore that wound up developing over the next, you know, multiple seasons. But I, I think, I think it was, it was pretty solidly a, a popular choice. Uh, there, there was some, there was some division of course within the fandom because, you know, the series had, had been started uh, after Roddenberry had, mm-hmm. had passed and one of his primary tenets had been that you know nobody in, nobody in Starfleet is ever going to disagree with each other, you right? Know, and, and we're all we're supposed to be portraying people as as you know always utopian, better versions of ourselves. And the folks behind Deep Space Nine went, uh, you know, let's let's actually show these people having yeah. these disagreements. Um, like this is the first time that we that we really start seeing any deep disagreements within Starfleet over yeah. policy, um, you know, and and the series wound up getting yep really dark. Well, now uh, I have a theory a behind this okay. when when it comes to it. So the first Star Trek and Star Trek: The Next Generation, both of them occur on the Enterprise, and the Enterprise flies from spot to spot by. By design, you can have bottle episodes. Oh, yeah. You have archetypical characters that you then put into different situations, and then you tell us about ourselves that way. Very valid way of doing a narrative. Deep Space Nine is literally a station, which means that the plot has to come to it. And it's a station on the frontier, by the way. So it kind of ties back to that old Western. Um. But it the, the the plot comes to it, and when the plot comes to it, your characters end up being developed by the plot. So the result is you have the largest plot arcs, you have the largest character development overall, largely because it was on a station. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That yeah, no, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, of course, part of the reason that um the the original series and and next generation after it were, you know, bottle episode stuff was because the TV executives said, you know, yeah, we we can't have these big long arcs. You have to have the ability for somebody to you know to jump in and, and watch an episode and you know, you know, w- without having too much backstory they got to worry about um, because that was the era of of that level of TV. You know, we we, we didn't have. We hadn't yet seen in genre TV something like, you know, the X-Files. Well, I mean, by 95, of course, we had. But, you know, when, obviously, for the original series and for the next generation, we hadn't seen the X-Files, which I think was one of the bigger examples. Like, it was one of the first times that a series that tried to do an overarching story arc mm-hmm. really managed to, to, to capture the public's imagination in a, in a big way and prove that, no, no, we, we can actually do this. And, and so I, I think, I think DS nine was the, was the, um, beneficiary of, of that development of the industry and of the art form. Yeah, I agree. 
So now this this particular set of episodes um, is about the future, and as we know, anything written about the future is actually written about the present. Yeah. Um, this particular episode dropped a character, Dax, um, Jadzia Dax. She's the only actual alien of the three characters that get dropped in the middle of San Francisco. She's also the only one that can present as white. Um, and she presents as white. It drops her, Dr. Bashir, who is of North African descent, and Commander Sisko. At that time, he is still a commander, um, who is African-American, um, in the middle of San Francisco in 2024. Now, I'm looking at my calendar. It says 2020. So okay. in four years in San Francisco, this is going to happen. So you have two men of color and a woman who passes for white. She ends up in the upper classes, and Bashir and Cisco end up locked into the sanctuary district. Okay. Uh, it's also no coincidence that this occurs in San Francisco. Most things do because Starfleet, right? But yeah. also... When Reagan cut funding to social programs and institutions, as a governor, the homeless problem in San Francisco increased quite a bit. Uh, the rough estimate of the amount of homelessness, or I'm sorry, the amount of homeless people uh, with mental illness issues is upwards of 45%. And, yeah. and people uh, who are homeless who have severe mental uh, illness issues is roughly 25%. Oh, wow. So in the episode, when the cops mentioned Dims in a reference to the two men of color who have no ID, which I would point to vagrancy laws that enabled people to arrest black folks and enslave them again legally. Yeah. Um, it's very specific writing. Okay. Yeah. When, when Gabriel Bell gets stabbed, uh, spoiler alerts here on a, a almost 30-year-old episode, no medical yeah. care was given. In a survey of the homeless in five major American cities, 49% of the homeless reported having violence done to them, 62% said that they'd witnessed violence, and 50% of homeless women reported sexual violence within the last 12 months. Ugh. And then there's targeted because they're homeless violence. Um, 1,769 acts of violence against the homeless individuals or individuals who are homeless by housed perpetrators occurred from 99 to 2017, according to the National Council on Homelessness. 476 wow. of those resulted in death. You want to guess who the perpetrators tend to be? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to say they are overwhelmingly young. Yep, under 30. Male. Male, all, yeah. Male and yeah. white. Yes, and if we have socioeconomic data, I'm going to say they are solidly bourgeois. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely homed. Um, I couldn't get, I couldn't scratch further than that, unfortunately. Now, okay. California leads by more than triple the next state in terms of incidence. Some of this is based on population, of course, but also you have um, San Francisco is a really good example. Tremendous haves and have-not disparity. Well, and, and what's remarkable, I mean, in, in my own experience, what's remarkable about the Bay Area mm -hmm. in particular, because, mm -hmm. again, San Diego, baby, and and like I already talked about the fact there was there was, you know, class consciousness and, and you know, distinction in a big way where I went to high school. Um, but the starkness of the difference mm -hmm. 
in a place like uh, Oakland mm-hmm. where you can literally have different sides of the same street. Like, like there'll be, there'll be one, one district on one side of the street yeah. has, you know, median home prices of a million plus and literally on the opposite side of the street, you're looking at, at houses being a third of that value or, yeah. or they're not actually being individual homes. You're looking at, you know, uh, apartment complexes and other, other, other kind of low income housing mm-hmm. and, and like, and, and literally it's a street. Yeah. And you know, where, where I grew up it, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of had to move through one neighborhood into another neighborhood into another neighborhood to get, to get that kind of, okay, well, you know, we're moving out of Scripps Ranch. Any of, any of my friends from high school are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, but you start in Scripps Ranch where I'll admit was my neighborhood. And you know, you, you had, you know, people with, you know, $700,000 homes. Uh, and, and then you move into, you know, part of Mira Mesa where, you know, you're looking at homes in the $400,000 range to another part of Mira Mesa where you're looking at homes in the $150,000 range. But, but there's, there's this, there's a gradation, right? The Bay area is literally the haves and the have nots are literally rubbing elbows. Yes. And, and, and yet they're ignored. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. you step over them as you ignore them. Like it's impossible yeah. to ignore and you ignore them. Yeah. By the way, all these numbers do not include police brutality, nor do they include digital bullying, which has been on the rise since 2017. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, how to put, um, also the amount of violence spiked during the housing crash. So in 2009, you see a large number go up. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, you got to go kick someone when you're feeling down. Yeah. And reporting has gotten lower and lower since 2017. That's the other thing. <laughs> because Herman Cain is now the secretary, and he is not an expert on housing and urban development. Uh, and yet he's in charge. And so he dictates the the focus of that bureaucracy. And it turns out it's not the homeless. Well, no, so, of course not. I forget what did Herman Cain do for a living prior to becoming the head, the the HUD secretary. I I really I really genuinely have trouble actually saying this out loud because it's oh. so hard to believe when you hear the man fucking speak. But he was a brain surgeon, neurosurgeon, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, brain surgeon, literally a brain surgeon. Yeah. 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 So the man, the man who who tried to argue that the pyramids were built as green storage structures. <laughs> He knows about housing and urban development. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, Joseph. Joseph those, those were those were built by Joseph. They're grand. They're the silos that mm-hmm. Joseph built. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, advised Pharaoh to build. No, Herman. I swear he's even. He's the guy that has they're pictures of not. Jesus and him in a picture too, right? Uh, well, yeah. Yes, I think, he does. Yeah. I think yeah. Because because like, I remember I remember hearing that he had pictures of him and Jesus, and not just one pictures. Of him oh, and Jesus, yeah. um, and and because I was like, wow, that's really funny. Because I know that Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player, had pictures of him as a centaur. Pictures, right? I remember that. Yeah, mounted pictures. Yeah, it's just like, mm-hmm. wow. I, I kind of oh, hey, want to. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. 
I kind of mm-hmm. want to do that. I kind of want to have pictures <laughs> of me as a as a pan. Oh, there you go. Because I got the belly for it, and I got I the quads for it. That could that could work. Yeah, that could work. All right. Um, so yeah, no Herman Herman Cain is a very special individual. Like he he is he is walking evidence that you can in fact be smart enough in a particular area mm-hmm. to do something that requires a very great deal of study and a very great deal of work. Yeah. And and you can you can be that kind of book smart and then be a complete ignoramus. Yes. Like across the board in so many other ways. Um like yeah. Yeah. It 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 boggles the mind. It like, does and it doesn't because if you think about someone who is a tremendous scholar and can't figure out how to unclog a toilet or <laughs> I mean like you 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 get people that are savants in things. Yeah, well, well and, yeah, and, yeah. You know, depth yeah. of knowledge and like <clears throat> I get a kick out of the fact that people always quote Einstein when he talked about where the bees go, the humans will go. It's like he's not an expert on zoology or botany or um, ecology. He understands gravity and mathematics and quantum physics really well. Yeah. That doesn't mean he knows fuck all about those things. That doesn't, doesn't mean he knows a damn thing. Well, you know, and, and uh, there's been a story on, on Facebook that mm-hmm. a bunch of my friends, I think mutual friends of ours, have, have jumped onto that I don't remember which university it was. Mm-hmm. I think it's Chicago. Um, had, had handed their COVID planning over to a pair of doctorates in physics. And, and these two, and these two physicists had apparently said, well, you know, uh, this is, this has really been a challenge and, and we recognize the, the importance of doing this work, but you know, um, our, our, our sense of, you know, intellectual curiosity is really, is really taking a hit here. Cause you know, this, this just isn't as stimulating to us as, as you know, the stuff we normally do <laughs> in, in that, in that remarkably arrogant way that physicists are about anything that's not physics. Like, well, you know, I, I don't understand why you guys need to have your own field. Just do the math this way and then add this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, that's not how any of this works. Oh, Wow. And, and like, so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, one of the theories from, from one of my friends is that like the university went to the epidemiologist because they have an epidemiology department, right? Right. They went to the epidemiologist and said, what do we do? And the epidemiologist said, uh, you send everybody the fuck home. And that just wasn't, you know, that, that w- wasn't acceptable. So they said, well, who else do we have who's smart? Oh, the physicists. The physicists were like, oh, yeah, we can do this. We know physics. Fuck that. <laughs> Um, and, and now they have, you know, an explosion of cases and there's, you know, it's, it's turned into a complete dumpster fire. Um, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's, yeah, like, yeah. So Herman Cain is, is, is another example of that. Like clearly, I mean, to, to, to become a neurosurgeon, you do need to have a working brain. Yep. And yet he seems to be willing and able to turn it off. Well, again, he's not a humanities guy. He is yeah. a he understands neurology, which yeah. I'm going to really paint with like a roller, like a giant industrial size roller. <laughs> it, that's that's like plumbing for thoughts, you know, like 
ultimately it's this tube goes here and does this and and sends this yeah. thing there. Yeah, these impulses go to this place. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like he he understands basically human circuitry. He doesn't understand fuck all about society yeah, or okay. history, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah, no, so clearly. The writers right. and and the creators of this show brought their own yeah. baggage, of course. Um, well, yeah. Now Ira Bear, the and I maybe I'm butchering his name, so uh, you know, uh, geek timers, go ahead and tell us. Um, but, uh, the executive producer specifically was trying to recall the Attica riots in 1971 when he envisioned the Gabriel Bell riots in his episode. He was also very inspired, uh, by Mm. the homelessness that he saw in Santa Monica. And here's a quote by him. He said, quote, the future we extrapolated is very, very likely to happen in some form or another. It was intended as a wake up call. This is why Star Trek is science fiction and Star Wars is not, by the way. Um, okay. Now, the original... You, okay. Oh, yeah? Well, well you're, you're saying because of that conscious mm-hmm. um, conscious uh, uh, social statement being made? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, Robert Hewitt Wolf, the original writer of the screenplay, he said that he originally pictured Cisco going back in time and being homeless. Uh, this idea didn't work as well, but clearly he had his contemporary times on his mind, and that plot ended up getting explored in Voyager, Future's End. Um, oh, okay. And it makes sense. Homeless guy claims that he's from the future and nobody believes him and step right by him, etc. Like, like, <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's easy. It does. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes directed through, this, really. by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, and this episode actually got him the directing job on First Contact. Really? Which is really interesting because that's another go back in history version of Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right. I yeah. hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. And now you understand why number one was in all of like the still shots, whereas like, you know, Picard was in the dynamic shots. Yeah. Because Frakes yeah, yeah. is like, uh, I'm going to be over here. Um, yeah. Now, people have <laughs> asked Bear why he only showed one side, the liberal side. And I love his answer. He says, quote, People are still even writing what w- that we only presented one side in past tense and that we should have presented both sides and not just the liberal point of view. And I'm still trying to think what that means. In other words, we should have showed the positive aspects of putting the homeless into concentration camps. <laughs> and I do admit we probably failed in that. We really did not show the many, many wonderful aspects of life without money and living in overcrowded camps. Yeah. Now, it makes sense that people are asking that nowadays because we have a president who said there are very good people on both sides of a Nazi march that killed Heather Heyer. Yeah. Now, the frustrating part is how prescient this episode continues to be. The Bell Riots are named for a black man whose death sparked change on a larger scale. We have the George Floyd protests. Mm -hmm. And the Breonna Taylor protests. But specifically, they're like looking to make a law that's called the George Floyd like they're naming the legislation yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, by the way, COVID and protests, um, former heads of the CDC. Okay. So I just want to point out because a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, with COVID and all that. Um, the, f- the former head of the CDC, Dr. Tom Frieden, said that if the government's trust, quote, is undermined by violent policing or it's undermined by ham-handed public health actions that don't respect communities, that's going to have a negative impact on our ability to fight disease. Thus, the protests for Breonna Taylor and George Floyd um, were more important to public health than was our social distance. Yep. 
1,200 doctors said, quote, staying at home, social distancing, and public masking are effective at minimizing the spread of COVID-19. To the extent possible, we support the application of these public health best practices during demonstrations that call attention to the pervasive lethal force of white supremacy. Yep. However, as public health advocates, we do not condemn these gatherings as risky for COVID-19 transmission. We support them as vital to the national public health and to the threatened uh, health specifically of black people in the United States. We can show that support by facilitating safest protesting practices without detracting, uh, detracting uh, from demonstrators' ability to gather and demand change. This should not be confused with a permissive stance on all gatherings, particularly protests against stay-at-home orders. Mm-hmm. We're looking at you, Orange County. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I'm looking at Michigan, too. Yeah, well, yeah. And Kentucky. But... And... Like, yeah, any yeah. number of other places. And yeah, there's know, a local but... dude up here in, in like Rockland who's you know trying to run for office, and he's saying send the kids to school. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't deserve his name. No. So, yeah, yeah, no. And Indeed. so uh, some some things to uh, yeah some things to keep in mind uh, as we're watching this um, okay. is that uh, watch how. Bashir and Cisco are really, really shook after a few days' visit, too, like emotionally. And Dax as well, although she she lived the higher life, but she still saw her friends in peril, and she's also lived over 300 years. Um, and what they're shook about is kind of like, how could they let it get here? And it's the classic frog in the boiling pot argument, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Bashir says in the show, so wait, you know, wh- when you watch it, you'll you'll get to this uh, quote. If we are frightened enough or desperate enough, how would we react? Would we stay true to our ideals or would we just stay here right back where we started? And I would say that 2016 showed us that it's at best a coin flip. Yeah. And I think that 2020 is going to show us for certain which way we're going to go. Yeah. So that's the primer for watching the episodes. Okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to kill this episode, and then we're going to record uh, both of the watch-along episodes. We're going to release this episode and the first episode together on the same time uh, in the same week. So that way they'll they'll release as a pair, and then the following week will be the second week of the past tense. Okay. So before we get going... Um, yeah. Do you have any uh, books that you would like to recommend? Um, I actually do uh, for a change. Awesome. I just picked up. Hold on a sec while I grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just picked up uh, The Flying Tigers, the untold story of the American pilots who waged a secret war against Japan by mm-hmm. Sam Kleiner. Um and it is uh, so far I've, I've only gotten a little ways into it and um, I had not previously known uh, the story of Claire Chenault the the founder and commander of the Flying Tigers mm-hmm. um, and his his biography up to 1937 uh, is really remarkable and um, one of the most interesting things is I can already see uh, even even before the Air Force was the Air Force, when it was the Army Air Corps, mm-hmm. and from the very beginning of Army aviation, 
there has been a, uh, a conflict between two, two different wings uh, of the organization, the fighter mafia and the bomber mafia. Um, and in the very earliest phases, it, as it turns out, in the very earliest phases of, of Army aviation, um, people were convinced that, that nobody could stop bombers. And Chenault was trying to say, no, with smaller aircraft, with guns, we can, we can, we can stop bombers. Right, we can do right. And so a big part of what the uh, Flying Tigers were kind of about was kind of proving his theory. He, he actually wound up, he, he went to work at first for Chiang Kai-shek in 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left the U.S. Army because his career had stalled, because the, the other generals in the, in the Army Air Corps were like, no, yeah, no, whatever. You're you're a you're a stunt pilot. Go go away. Go go away. And and so he he said, All right, I will and went to work for for Chiang Kai shek, uh, trying to teach the nationalists, you know, how to how to build an air force. So uh yeah, so so far it's it's I haven't even gotten to the founding of the Flying Tigers proper, and it's it's a great read. Um and I, I very highly recommend it. Okay. Nice. How about you? Um, I'm going to recommend, uh, as teachers, uh, not a bad book to read this year, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, okay. Really good book. Uh, my mom actually sent it to me, uh, and several of my teacher friends have started a reading group that I missed, unfortunately, uh, about it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, a very solid book, um, and it's, uh, how to put it? Um, I mean, the, the name's in the title, like, you know, like, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's yeah, exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. yeah you know, and, uh, yeah, read it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very cool. So cool. Well, for, uh, oh, uh, where, where can we find each other on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on, uh, Instagram as Mr. Blaylock. You can find me on Twitter as E.H. Blaylock. And as it turns out, I just went to my TikTok account today, and I may have been misquoting my address. I'm actually E.H. Blaylock there as well, not Mr. Blaylock, which I think is what I've been putting down. Uh, You can find both of us collectively uh, on the Twitter at Geek History Time. Mm -hmm. And where can they find you if they're looking for you, Mr. Harmony? Well, if you're looking for me, you can find me at Harmony. That's two H's in the middle, um, on the Twitter and on the Insta. You can also find me every Tuesday night at 8.30 on uh, twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Um, I'm going to be doing a fundraiser show for the Stonewall Foundation on October 1st. I'm not sure if this episode will drop before or after that. So if it's after, then I did it, and it was awesome uh, with Capital Punishment. Um, Otherwise, you know, go check it out. They're trying to raise money for LGBTQ uh, youth and uh, scholarships and what have you. Um, and I'm, there's a couple other shows. I know that this won't drop, uh, in time to advertise those. So just check me every okay. Tuesday night at eight 30 on, uh, capital puns. Uh, so it's twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. So all right. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony and I'm Ed Blaylock engage.